A few episodes ago, I talked about hybrid publishing and why I don't recommend hybrid publishing for most authors. What I do recommend instead is crowdfunding. This is where you raise money to publish your book by pre-selling it to your super fans. This gives you the money to hire professionals directly and actually independently publish your book the right way. At the recent Kingdom Writers Conference, Shelley Hitz interviewed me about crowdfunding, and I thought I'd share that interview with you. Normally, you get to hear me interview other people, but today you get to hear somebody else interview me. So it's a bit of a reverse interview. So how do you raise money for your book before your book comes out using sites like Kickstarter and Indiegogo? We'll find out in this episode of Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr., CEO of Author Media, and this is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and make a living with writing worth talking about. And with that, let's go to the reverse interview. Want to raise money to help cover the publishing costs of your next book? If so, get ready because this session is going to cover how to crowdfund your book on Kickstarter. I'm Shelly Hitz, and I'm here with my husband, CJ. Hey, guys. And we are the host of the Count the Cost edition of the Kingdom Writers Conference, where you'll learn how to self-publish on a budget without compromising quality. So we're excited this session to introduce you to the incredible Thomas Umstadt, Jr. of Author Media. Welcome, Thomas. Thanks, Jelly. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and just further introduction, Thomas Umstadt is a former literary agent and marketing director He's the founder of Author Media and the host of the Novel Marketing Podcast, which happens to be the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. And he also hosts the Christian Publishing Show. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. And you've been in the author world for so long, and you know so many things. But what I wanted you to share about today was we're talking about how to count the cost and self-publish on a budget. But I think sometimes writers don't think about the fact that they can actually raise the money for their self-publishing costs through crowdfunding. So I want you just to talk a little bit about like how does crowdfunding work for books? So traditional publishers act a lot like venture capitalists. And the biggest thing that they provide for authors is the capital to pay for all of the costs that go into the book, the editors, the cover designer, et cetera. And when you're indie publishing, that capital has to come from you, which creates a cash flow problem because you'll have the money. If the book is successful, you'll have the money in the future, but you don't have the money now. So there's two ways to handle that cash flow crunch. One is to get debt. That's the classic way to do it. You take loans now and then you use your sales in the future to pay off your loans. But I don't like debt. (laughs) And the other problem with debt is that if you're wrong, if there is no demand for your book, you're on the hook for all of that money. And so what crowdfunding does is it allows you to effectively pre-sell your book to your super fans so that you get money now for a book that you don't have to deliver until later. And so it solves the cash flow problem so that you now have the money to pay for the editor and the printing and all the rest of it. But you also have intelligence knowing that there are at least however many people who backed your campaign (laughs) willing to pay for it. Because it's one thing for your friend to be like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea for your book. It's another thing for your friend to be like, that's a great idea for your book. And I'm going to back your Kickstarter at $100 or at $500. Because 
one of the cool things about crowdfunding is that people do more than just back your book at the price of the book. You create higher reward tiers, and you're often surprised if you set your campaign up correctly <laughs> that people will back at much bigger amounts. And it allows your super fans to back you at a super amount rather than just getting the same $5 from everyone. Yeah. And it's great market research. Like you said, you'll know from the beginning if it's a book that really is hitting your target audience's sweet spot or pain points or interests or whatever it is. But you mentioned something about rewards. So there's different tiers a lot of times. Like many of us have probably been to a Kickstarter page or a crowdfunding page, and we see like there's different levels and rewards. What kind of rewards motivate readers to come back to a campaign? So the basic rewards are the book itself. So when I set up a campaign, typically there's a $10 award that's the ebook, and then there's a $25 award that's both the ebook and the paper book. And often there's a stretch goal for the audiobook, depending on if you know you're going to do the audiobook or not. So the question is, okay, so we have a $10 award and a $25 award. What do we put at the higher levels? And one of the big things that you can put in the higher levels is recognition. So at $100 or more, you get your name in the back of the book as patrons who helped fund the book, right? This was a big motivation for the Medici family. They were backing a lot of the great artists of old because they wanted to put their name under the Mona Lisa. They couldn't paint the Mona Lisa, but maybe they could uh, get their name attached to it somehow. And it's part of the reason we still remember the Medici family, while most of the other families of Renaissance Italy have been forgotten because they were the ones sponsoring or being patrons of the arts. And a lot of people want to be immortalized. And being immortalized in a book, especially a book that could really go viral, is a big motivation. Another reward is a signed copy of your book. Another reward that I really like is a signed and numbered hardback. So this borrows a technique from the art world. So in art, you have the original painting, which is often a million dollars, and then you have the like magazine or the art book of the paintings, which is 20 bucks. And a lot of painters are like, I want something in the middle. <laughs> I want a yeah. $2,500 version of this painting. So what can I do? So what the art world decided to do is they would create signed and numbered prints. So it's not the original, but it's signed by the painter himself, and he or she agrees to only do 500. So you have a number. And I have some paintings like that in my office, actually. So it's like, this is number three of 50. So only 50 prints exist, and I've got the third one, and it makes it more collectible. And super readers love this, and they'll often back at triple digits for a signed and numbered limited edition. And it could be a good investment if the book yeah. takes off. And you only make 50 signed and numbered editions that actually could more than pay for itself. But even if it doesn't, it's fun, right? It's like, hey, I helped my friend out and I've got this signed copy of her book. Sometimes just those little things can help motivate our readers to go above and beyond. And you can make more than just, like you said, 5 or $10 on a book when you have some of these different levels. So let's say an author sets up the campaign, has the different rewards set up, how do they then get the word out that the campaign even exists? Yeah, so the secret to crowdfunding is to already have a crowd. <laughs> so you need to yeah. dig your well before you're thirsty. If you're expecting Kickstarter to bring you strangers who want to give you money for a book they haven't heard of from an author they haven't heard of, that's not going to work. You have to build your own crowd. And so 
I mean, it's, in a sense, this is what I talk about every week on my podcast, Novel Marketing, How to Build a Crowd. <laughs> but yeah. if I were to consolidate it into one principle, it actually come from the book of Esther. So Esther's got this big ask, right? She's going to ask Nebuchadnezzar to go back on his word and violate the law of the Medes and the Persians. That's, that's a big ask. And he doesn't mm-hmm. end up doing it. He ends up, as we know in the end of the story, writing a new law because he can't undo the law that he already wrote. So this is a big, scary ask for her to do. So what does she do? She makes him a banquet. Then at the end of the banquet, she invites him to another banquet. And so what you want to do is you want to make a banquet for your readers. You want to bless them in small ways so that they have a sense of gratitude towards you, a sense of reciprocity, so that when it does come time for the ask, you've already been giving to them so that they're, they can't wait, right? Because Nebuchadnezzar knew what was up, or Xerxes, rather. Xerxes knew what was up. <laughs> he knew she was going to make a big yeah. ask. He's like, just tell me what you want. I'll give you anything you want. <laughs> and it worked, right? Even though he knew she was doing it for that purpose, it still worked. It's a really powerful principle. So if you're writing fiction, one of the easiest ways to throw a banquet for your readers is to write short stories in your story world with your characters from your main book. And if you're writing nonfiction, there's so many options. You can have a podcast, you can blog, you can create guides and tip sheets and an indication that you're doing a good job throwing a banquet for your future readers is that they want to join your email list. (laughs) So the bigger that email list gets, the easier that crowdfunding campaign is going to be to fund. Yeah, and I love that illustration. It's such a great one. (laughs) And it's a great thing for marketing in general, like you said. What makes crowdfunding so effective? What about it is really helpful? So it has a lot of powerful marketing psychology built into the platform. So Kickstarter is all or nothing, and the funding is transparent. So there's a sense of urgency built in. On every Kickstarter page, there's a clock ticking down, and you can literally see every second closer to the countdown. And this creates real urgency, which for authors is probably your biggest enemy to book sales, because why should I buy your book today when I could buy Mm -hmm. your book tomorrow? And why should I read it today when I could read it tomorrow? So you're constantly fighting against urgency to get readers to act right now. And before you judge them, let me ask you, do you write better with a deadline or without a deadline? <laughs> we all <laughs> respond better to urgency, but that's only one of the many social triggers. And the next one is anchoring. So you have that big goal, right? Let's say you're trying to raise $5,000 for your book. That's a big number. And it's in a big, very big font. And that $5,000 subconsciously makes the $50 backing level feel like a smaller number because you're anchored to that bigger number. And then the third social trigger that it has built into it is social proof. So mm. you get to see how many other people have backed the campaign. The more other people that are doing it, the more people want to do it. People want to be in the longest line at the amusement park for the popular coaster, not in the shortest line, which is <laughs> counterintuitive. You'd think everyone would get in the shortest line, but that's not how people think. They were like, well, this one must be really good. Look how long the line is, which makes the line even longer. And the challenge with social proof is, as Jesus said, to him who has more will be given and to him who does not have, and even what he thinks he has will be taken away. (laughs) So it's very motivating that goal for the backers that you already have to go and get their friends and spread the word. Because you're like, oh, we're 80% of the way there. We only need Mm -hmm. a few more backers to push us and get us to 100%. And the stats are, if I remember the numbers correctly, of campaigns that reach 60% funded 99% of them go on to fund 100%. Awesome. Because of that powerful social motivation that motivates Mm -hmm. your backers to become advocates for your book. 
Yeah, there are a lot of powerful things built into it. But tell us just briefly one experience, at least that you or someone you know has had with Kickstarter that was successful with a book. So I'll give you a short, snarky answer, and that is Brandon Sanderson, as we record this, just broke the all-time Kickstarter record by raising $40 million for his books. (laughs) So now the most successful Kickstarter in any category is now a book. So he beat out all the technology products. Uh, But a more (laughs) down-to-earth example is a friend of mine, Mary DeMuth, she wrote a book on overcoming sexual abuse. And this was before Mm -hmm. the Me Too movement. And she went to her publisher and she said, I've got this book. It's about recovering from sexual abuse. I think there's a real market for it. And they're like, we don't think anybody wants this book. So she goes to her other publisher. She's a big traditionally published author and they turn her down too. And she's like, what am I going to do? I know there's an audience. I have that audience. She'd built a big email list. She'd been, she'd already written a whole memoir about sexual abuse and her journey to recovery and all the work God had done in her life since then. And so she's like, you know what? I'm not going to let these big publishers kill this book. So we worked together to launch a Kickstarter campaign. And she set a goal to raise $10,000 to fund the book. She wanted to use all the same kind of people she had used as a traditionally published author, which meant spending a lot more on editing and typesetting and the other component pieces of it. And so we would go out to her audience and she tells them about the book and she raises $25,000. So she ended up funding an audiobook. She ended up being able to order it offset printed rather than print on demand. So she now Mm -hmm. had thousands and thousands of copies, which allowed her to be able to donate them to women's shelters and Mm -hmm. use them in promotional activities. And and the book now exists. (laughs) So it was a way of keeping the traditional publishers from being able to shut her down. And Wow. Uh, I, I just love that story because now, obviously, people would be like, well, of course the world needs this book. But at the time, she's yeah. like a voice crying out in the wilderness saying women need help, men need help, and there's no good book mm-hmm. to help them. Yeah, I just got chills because, I mean, think about how many people were helped by that as well and the power that she was able to get that message out. Now, let's say somebody is thinking, you know, I don't have the money just up front to pay for self-publishing. I want to do this. I'm interested in doing something like this on Kickstarter. Do you have a few steps that you would recommend them to do just to get started? So the first thing is you need to get a job, (laughs) get some money, (laughs) because you're going to have to at least pay for the cover ahead of time. So Kickstarter is great for funding a lot of your expenses, but you need to be able to show the cover of your book. It's really hard to get funding for a book without a cover. Good point. (laughs) And so if you're so poor that paying $200 or $500 for a cover is not what you can afford, you don't need to write a book, you need to get a job. (laughs) Because writing a book is not a good source of short-term income, and it's not a good source of reliable income, especially if you're first getting started. Now, once you've written 20 books, everything changes. But for that first book, you need to have some kind of source of income. And the best kind of job you can get is as a virtual assistant for another author. Because that way you're not only making money, but you're also getting experience and training in publishing world. So I want to say that this is not a cure-all for all financial challenges, right? It's a way for people who have already been faithful in the little things, growing a crowd and raising some money to be able to leverage that into bigger things. Yeah. The first thing is you get your cover design. And then the next thing I'll do is back other Kickstarter campaigns. So there's some mm-hmm. really good research on this, that there's a strong correlation between the number of campaigns you have backed yourself and how successful your campaign is. Interesting. So some people will be like, oh, well, that's reaping and sowing. The more you sow, the more you reap. And like, maybe there's some of that. But I think most of it is you learn a lot from other people's successes and failures backing their campaigns. And you get a lot of ideas. So Mm -hmm. back campaigns, back books, back movies, back board games, 
back at least one board game. The board game people on Kickstarter are the most sophisticated. <laughs> they Interesting. Uh, innovate a lot of the cool techniques. The first stretch goal ever was on a board game. And uh, so back at least one board game. And I would back maybe a dozen different campaigns and just watch. And then mm-hmm. after that, you'll have gotten a really good education on how Kickstarter works. You'll have a much better feel for it. And when you do create your campaign, it shows on your profile how many campaigns you've backed. And the more that you've backed, mm-hmm. the more comfortable your backers will be that you actually know what you're doing. And because it, it looks really bad if it's like, because Kickstarter requires you to back at least one other okay. campaign before you can post your own. And if you only back one, it's like, this person doesn't get it. They don't understand crowdfunding and it makes backers nervous, at least sophisticated backers nervous. So then you create Good your page, too. you record a video, you always do a video. Kickstarter doesn't require it, but if you actually want to succeed, you need to record a video. <laughs> it doesn't have to be very long, just a couple minutes explaining why your book needs to exist and why you need help making it exist. Just tell your story, hit those two whys, and then you build out the page. And then the next step is you get a preview link so that your campaign's not live yet, but you have a preview link where anyone with that link can look at the page and follow it and leave comments. Then you go to every single friend you've ever had and you ask them for feedback. (laughs) So (laughs) this does two things. One, there's an old rule in fundraising that if you ask for money, you'll get advice. And if you ask for advice, you'll get money. So some of these people you ask for feedback are going to go on to back your campaign, but others will give you really useful feedback. Kickstarter is not some new thing. We've had it for 10 years now, at least, which means a lot of people have a lot of experience with Kickstarter and they'll point out things about your campaign that could be done better or things you don't explain very well or typos. They always find typos when I do one. (laughs) And so you get that feedback and you get it really shiny. And then after you've gotten all that feedback and some of those people have followed your campaign, then you launch the campaign. Yeah, that's awesome. And I hope that if you're interested in doing this, you've been taking notes because <laughs> Thomas has been giving so much value. And I know there's going to be some people that are like, oh my goodness, I so want to do this, but I still need a little extra help. And you actually have a course on this, right? So share it with us a little bit about that course. That's right. So Mary Demuth, the person I talked about earlier, she got so bombarded with people asking her how to do it. She's one of the first Christian authors to do a big Kickstarter campaign, or actually an Indiegogo campaign. (laughs) So Kickstarter didn't let her on because at the time they had a rule against self-help. And they're like, your book is self-help. Oh my goodness. (laughs) They were very snooty hipsters in the Hmm. early days. They're still kind of snooty, but not as bad. But she was so bombarded with questions. She's like, Thomas, we should put together a course teaching people how to do this. So we recorded step-by-step the whole way from beginning to end, how to do a Kickstarter campaign from growing your tribe to getting to 100% to going beyond 100%, how to manage stretch goals, how to avoid expensive mistakes. There's some really easy pitfalls. If you're not sure what you're doing, Mm -hmm. it can cost you a lot of money. (laughs) So counting the cost ahead of time is really, really important. And so anyway, we walk you through all of that. And there have been, I don't know how many authors have sent me their books after they successfully crowdfunded children's books, books for adults. And it's, I love getting, if you, any of you do get the course and go on to crowdfund your book, do send me a copy because I love getting oh, books from folks who that would successfully be make amazing. them into existence. <laughs> yeah. So check out the links. And then you also have a free resource as well. Tell us just a little bit about that. Yeah. So I used to run a website agency before I became a full-time podcaster. And so our old company, we built websites for authors and I still had a flood of people asking me to build them a website or asking me website advice. So mm-hmm. as a way of gently saying, no, I don't do that anymore, <laughs> I made a 
uh, course of everything I know or tried to put everything I know about <laughs> both building the website, if you're building a website from scratch, but also the second half of the course is all about how to take your existing author website and make it better. Make it the kind of website that blesses and thrills your readers so much that they go and tell other people about mm-hmm. your website. The kind of website that gets more traffic each month than the month before. And I just give that away for free is my way of saying, sorry, I won't build you a new website, but here uh, you actually don't need me. You can just follow this and build it yourself. Yeah. And that's how I first got to know you was through some of your website work and your plugins. And Thomas definitely is the technical genius. (laughs) You know, he has all, you know, all the ins and outs of all the things. So definitely go grab that course on websites and get the crowdfunding course as well. If that's something that you're interested in doing, Thomas definitely has the experience and the technical know-how to really help you do that successfully. So thank you so much for sharing. And I hope that everyone listening, you've been taking lots of notes that you go get these resources from Thomas, listen to his podcast, and get lots of additional advice there as well. But we appreciate you, Thomas. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'll have links to both that free course on building and improving your author website and a link to the crowdfunding course in the show notes below this audio. So just scroll down in your podcast app. You'll find both of those links in the blog post version of this episode. And if you're a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast, there's actually a link inside of Patreon where you can save 50% off the price of the ultimate crowdfunding course. So it's well worth it to spend the $4 to become a patron. Even if you cancel right away, it's cheaper that way than to buy the course outright. Now, speaking of patrons, our featured patron is Eloise White, author of Soul Inspirations. You'll gain a new relationship with Jesus as you trust him to be your confident healer and life-giving friend. Eloise White, thank you so much for being a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast, helping keep this podcast on the air. And if you're curious about becoming a patron, you can find out more at authormedia.com slash patron. And I should just say, you know, this interview that you just heard was from a virtual summit. And lately, I've been speaking at a lot of virtual summits for authors. I do this because it's hard to leave my three little ones at home with my wife, uh, three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a newborn. That's a lot. It's a handful for the two of us. It's uh, just about impossible for uh, any one person, as I learn anytime I have them to myself. So spending two days in airports to give a one-hour keynote just doesn't make sense. But I love doing virtual summits. And in general, I don't share the audio from those virtual summit talks on this podcast. This episode's a bit of an exception, partly because I'm out of town (laughs) this week and this episode was easier to put together. But I am starting to include links to those virtual summits in the Author Media email newsletter. And many of those virtual summits are free to attend. Sometimes you pay for the recordings if you want long-term access. Each summit's a little bit different. But I try to denote which ones are free, which ones have a cost. And if you get the Author Media newsletter, just scroll down towards the bottom. I'm adding a section called Upcoming Events, where you can find me at Upcoming Events. Maybe at some point in the future, I'll start speaking at in-person events. But at the moment, I'm very happy to stay home with my children. 
The Novel Marketing Podcast is a production of Author Media. Our producer is Laurie Christine. This episode's audio is edited by William Umstadt, and the blog post version is by Shauna Lettler. And special thanks to Shelley and CJ Hitz for having me on the Kingdom Writers Summit. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr. saying thank you for listening, and live long and prosper. <laughs>